Hello, thanks for listening to Psyche Design. I am back with my friend, Odd, who is an INTP. And this time we're gonna be talking about the trickster function. If you missed the last episode about the inferior, go ahead and listen to that. The trickster function is another shadowy function, but it has a different sort of archetype to it than the inferior. So while the inferior has, is, is a focus on kind of embarrassment and also idealization, the trickster has this element of manipulation and paradox to it. And these are uh, John Beebe, Jungian analyst terms for this. So, and also just, if you're not sure what the trickster is in your stack, I'll have a comment with that below. But just to sort of compare really quick, was that the inferior function is the opposite uh, function type and orientation as your dominant. But this trickster is basically, if you were to take the entire psyche, you know, it's like basically the darkest point, like the most shadowy, like unconscious point out of all of the functions. So if your dominant is um, a judging function or a, and then it's going to be a perceiving function. So it's like very, very different from you. So yeah, how do you want to just jump in and kind of, how, how do you see the trickster? I can kind of start rambling whenever I get into it, <laughs> a rant, so. Um, so the easiest way to determine what your trickster function is, is simply look at your tertiary function and the opposite orientation of your tertiary is the trickster. So for Megan, you, you, it's uh, introverted sensing because, uh, wait, Yes. Yeah, it's introverted sensing because your tertiary is extroverted sensing. And for me, it's the exact opposite. It's extroverted sensing mm -hmm. because my tertiary is introverted sensing. And so, um, or, or I'll just say really quick, something that I've noticed, which we can get into later, we're going to talk about what the trickster is. But also since both of us have a sensing trickster, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I've noticed the trickster come up mostly like I think my trickster is activated around INTPs and INFPs quite a lot compared to others because I think that there's sort of like what it can feel like our mental blind spots are sort of battling each other where because if you think of the if you think of the tertiary function as your um your inner child or like the divine child then the trickster is almost like this evil devilish child. So they're both kind of children. And if I, if, if, the, if the tricksters battle for me with an INP, then it can feel like we're both kind of being children. We're like my SE like thinks I'm like great and your SI like, I don't know. So <laughs> it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Wait till you meet somebody who has your trickster as their dominant, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's a whole other. <sighs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> it really it really opens your eyes about all kinds of things. Um, yeah. The funny thing about the trickster, I, I want to mm -hmm. make this clear because I, I've heard a lot of people talk about the shadow function, but sometimes they sort of overlook this aspect, and I really want everybody to un sort of think about this aspect: why it's called the shadow function. First of all, yeah, yeah, why we have the shadow of the personality. So. To, to have a shadow in, in a 
colloquial sense, you have to have a light source and then you have to have some particle, whether it's solid or solid as we see it or liquid, it doesn't matter because even water has shadows, right? And the, our light needs to bounce off the particle and reflect it back mm. out. Mm. So therefore the shadow is the part behind the particle that basically light can't get through. And that's, the, that's how shadow is formed. Like when you're walking around out in the sun, you can see the shadow because that's showing you, oh, so your body hit, your, the light hit the body in these angles. And that's why these parts did not get the light going. And it didn't get to reflect the light from that surface. That's this is why I bring an INTP on my, on my channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I love that so much. That's like just such a perfect example of like, let me explain the principle and let me give you an anecdote an idea to visualize it so thank you <laughs> yay <laughs> you're welcome no, really uh, like i've never even really thought about it in that way of like what's the mechanism of the shadow does and that the light literally needs something to bounce off of right right mm -hmm. and yeah. usually the conscious function is what's out in the light yeah yeah so that's why that's why the if the, the shadow functions are not things that we embody that's why it's the yeah. things that we reject it's because in order to be conscious this is the particle that we're reflecting off. like my dominant ti is absolutely reflecting all kinds of light so then therefore the extroverted thinking is super behind me and not getting any light basically and okay. that's something that people need to sort of i think i think yeah. that that'd be really helpful for people yeah. to approach the angle from so by that logic so now that I'm kind of getting the visual here, how do you think, <clears throat> so if we're thinking of the trickster as being like the darkest point or like the shadowiest point, then how does it prop up or interact with the dominant in your opinion? Honestly, it rarely does. Mm -hmm. In our day-to-day -day life, I, I sometimes I read tweets about ENFJs like, is this SI? And I'm like, I just, I just burst out laughing. I was like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me, speaking on that really quick, I saw a video on TikTok where someone was like, um, I still look at the green of the trees because you told me that was your favorite color. I still do. I still wear this hat that's yellow because you told me I look good in yellow. I still blah, blah, blah. And I was like, huh? And I was like, I thought to myself, is this SI? <laughs> I don't know if it was SI, but like, I was just like, I don't even know how to explain not, it. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Um, like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my favorite idol had uh, showed up in a green outfit. And from then on, I had such a pleasant experience from both seeing my favorite idol and him mm -hmm. wearing green and it looked really good on him. And I was like, oh. Green is so such a great color. <laughs> <laughs> and then from then on, green actually did become my favorite color for a really long time. So there is that, but it's, it's personal preference, really. Yeah. Um, it's hard to explain my introverted sensing because I see it and then I see my parents use it and they're dominant SI users. I'm like, this is crap. Like what I have mm -hmm. is crap. But anyway, um, so when, if you're really thinking about the trickster, it is very dark because it's kind of like if you're looking at the body let's just assume this is the conscious right mm -hmm. so the reason so the feet are like your infer inferior function mm -hmm. feet represent your inferior function your legs and torso like this area is auxiliary and tertiary your head is a dominant 
So if we're to look, what part, when you're walking around, do you ever, are you ever aware of the shadow behind your legs? Nope. No one is usually. And that's exactly how the trickster really is. And yet, if we sometimes look at the light, depending on the angle, we see elongation and we see the elongation on the leg part a lot because that's somehow the easiest angle to look at when we're looking down. Mm -hmm. And and it's hard to see the back of our head, even through the shadow. It, it's very hard. It depends on the where the light is. But <clears throat> so sometimes you can see it, but it's not common. And we usually live without it. And we tend to think we can live without it until yeah. you meet the dominant function of that, per, of the, you, until you meet somebody who uses that as your dominant function. And then they're like, well, a little child, let me show you just how much you don't see. <laughs> and so, yeah. so would you say that when you interact with someone who has it as their dominant that it kind of can show you that you can't live without it or is it sort of like just this experience of like they think that they can't live without it you're showing them that you technically can live without it but then you, I, I don't know how to explain that <clears throat> i will uh give you anecdotes or well, personal yeah, experiences yeah. so uh i had a lot of ESTP not a lot but you know I have a, I had a few ESTP friends and then of course recently my supervisor who's now left because he's dominant SE and he's like I need this and so I was like <laughs> okay bye uh but he he's also he was also an ESTP and whenever I turn in my work he'd be like you missed this fact you missed this fact you missed this fact you missed this fact and therefore this is the real answer not this and I'm like okay first of all yeah you're right when i was going through all the review i was like i saw that and i didn't even use it i was like dumb si and then i'm like when i was see going through i didn't even see that right mm -hmm. right so you get mm -hmm. to really experience like where how did and so i would like he's like you missed this on this part and i was like oh wow it's there i didn't see this we just popped out i can't say that but you know it was always there so I but I was talking to an ISFJ once who was talking about how it's like, yeah, when your legs start to feel a little limp, that's when you know that you need to go for a run or something. And I was like, what does that feel like? Like the only way that I would have like a workout routine would be if I decided Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I don't, I didn't know how to like, I, I, I'm just like, I don't know how to like listen to my body to like tell me when I would need to do that I, yeah. I felt really like dumb in that area of like what do you mean when they feel limp <laughs> so like I, I don't know <laughs> well yeah uh it, they don't really feel limp because you know, mine is obviously a door much taller than like an ESTP or ISTJ or ISFJ but like sometimes you walk out every day and your knees are sore and you're like okay I am getting too fat right now I need to go <laughs> to the gym and get rid of it or like my knees will give out for sure you know it's that kind of like awareness of the body um like I said I am not an NI user <laughs> but uh yeah my, but my brother he's an ENTJ and he'll just get hurt right he'll he'll get all these physical injuries and then he'll just walk about and you're like yeah this hurts uh so what and I'm like go see a freaking doctor yeah. what's wrong with you yeah he's like, well I'm a doctor and I said I don't need anything. I'm like, yeah, and then you're gonna get screwed like in 30 years when you're actually old. He's like, yeah, well, I accepted it. I'm like, oh. actually not, it's actually bad. Cause like my dad is an ENFJ and 
he had like melanoma skin cancer and it's gone now but it was like my mom was like you need to get that checked he's like no I don't it's fine and like if it wasn't for an ESFJ mom being like you have to get that checked it's like yeah that's the sort of blind spot stuff if you just don't think <laughs> that SI if you're not paying attention to things like that right 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 and it kind of Absolutely. scares me even like watching him as he ages he doesn't care about monitoring things like that it kind of makes me think like man I I really have to monitor and like know my body because if something's wrong I'm gonna have to tell a doctor like my symptoms you know like I, I don't keep track of that so that's like really daunting to me now that being said you know my ENFJ friend is absolutely keeping track of that using extroverted sensing yeah and I think uh, you know when you see a lot of SI users and talk about this like it helps you your SE child to be like okay so I do need to be aware of these kind of things and so yeah so at least there's that um but as we are going back to the shadow thing uh yeah. as we are as persons these trickster is something that we don't really access unless of course the gate of the inferior has been opened because somebody triggered us and we're arguing or we're trying to make them feel bad or you know something about the way they're presenting themselves is absolutely triggering to our like the safety and the integrity of our conscious functions especially the dominant the egoistic you know what how we present ourselves to be then we start coming in and we start like screwing with that trickster function and that's where we're going to talk about this too but that's where the double bind comes from and yeah. you know the underwhelming the tendencies tend to come in yeah so the double bind let's talk about that so there's this element of manipulation and paradox i think i have a quote about the double bind let me find it whoops well okay here's Here's one from Lenore Thompson, which kind of is about the double bind, but it says, my understanding of the trickster is that it's so far from consciousness that it normally gets constellated only by the self, either to protect the ego from potentially annihilating damage or to spur growth when the ego's boundaries are too narrow to support further psychological development. In either cases, this is a double-edged sword. So... Um, and then BB talks about it as like how it puts you in these double bind sort of situations where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So for me, just like an example for my uh, trickster SI, uh, my, and I think part of the reason why it, we put ourselves in these is how it relates to your auxiliary function, um, which is like the good parent. And then also your tertiary, which is like the divine perfect child. We, we see these, and BB calls them like, I think ego uh, syntonic, which means it's like ego syntonic and ego dystonic in the sense of like your top four, like your ego like likes them. But anyway, so um, for me, my NI is like my protective parent that is looking out for me and if i if i want to make a name for myself in the world and get like a job where i feel like i can um, be myself and help people and offer my gifts i have to follow what my ni vision is telling me and i i have to listen to that 
And then my child SE thinks that I have all the energy in the world to do that and will work around the clock and exhaust myself to do that. And I care so much about it that it's like, I can forget about sustaining my energy levels and like slowing down and like all the self-care stuff that is required. And so for me in my career thus far, I have felt like I need to push extra in order to follow my NI, which is, it, it, I, don't, I don't know how to really explain it. I want, you, you can give an example as well, but it, it essentially feels like I have to choose between my vision or my comfort. Like I, yeah. I feel like I have to choose. I know I shouldn't have to choose, but especially a lot of times for ENJs, our vision is so big because, okay, here's the thing too with ENJs is that we don't come up with just individual sort of visions. We are the in charge interaction style. Like we are built like ENJs are built for like leading. And so a lot of times what our NI comes up with is way too big for one person to ever do because to really use our skills, we're supposed to be sort of creating some sort of community or bigger system. And so that becomes so daunting, but it feels like you have to follow it. And then, so we keep building something bigger that's way too big for one person to do. And then, so we either exhaust ourselves or we stop building. And so that, that's, I guess, the double bind for my SI. But what about you? I talked for a long time. <laughs> the double bind for me is, well, similarly, if we're going to talk about it from an individualistic perspective, is that I use extroverted intuition to come up with all kinds of possibilities. It's always happening. It's, you know, uh, I have, they're like, this could happen, this could happen, and I could have to do, do this or do that, do this, do that. But a person is limited <laughs> mm-hmm. by nature, right? Because nature's like, yeah, you're one buddy, you can do one thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and you know, the SI is like, you know, you're in a good condition. You could do this. You could do all of this. And in fact, you know, it's not like, you know, I know my schedule and I know how much I can get done in this schedule if I get rid of this and this and this. But then reality comes in and be like, so uh, the facts say you're not quite ready, that the tools are not ready. It's kind of like when um, Ada Lovelace, Lovelace, uh, Loveless, I don't know how to say her last name, but the daughter of Lord Byron, who came up with like the theory on computer science, she came up with the theories with like another person that she was working with, but she could not actually get a computer working because she was bound by time and, and the nature of her reality, which was that computers didn't exist at the time. Mm. And, wow. you know, that's something that any users are keenly aware of. Um, I know some people argue Elon Musk's type, but he's an INTP. And what is he trying yeah. to? What is he trying to do? He's trying to get people to Mars, and he wants to play with financial system occasionally. He wants to get everybody on the electric car. I think to start with, I think there's something else that you know we're really trying to go forward. But what is he always dealing with? Like, oh yeah, well, especially in the beginning, everybody's like, well, you know what, you can't do it. The technology's not there, you know. And so mm-hmm. okay. extroverted intuition from a, an auxiliary perspective is always trying to push forward and try to gre- create like more possibilities and more things mm-hmm. and more, you know, space basically for development and future, I guess, things like flying cars, we really want to see it. Extroverted intuitives absolutely want to see that happen. But 
extroverted sensing comes in is like, so that these are the problems. These are the logistical problems to your possibilities. This is how much it's going to cost. This is what's going to happen. And these are the like regulations you have to deal with, blah, 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 blah. And the end user is like, oh, God. <laughs> like, do I give up on this dream or do I oh, wow. go ahead and deal with all of these logistical problems? You know? So I don't know the facts on this because I don't know enough about his life. But assuming, do you, assuming Einstein was an INTP, wasn't there a lot of his philosophy that like science wasn't able to prove that we've like now proved yeah yeah I, I don't know I don't know the examples of that but that that came to mind that it seems like maybe for INTPs you're like starting the conversation or like solving the problem that whenever we get ready for it you can look back and find but like okay Whenever I was a journalist that reported on startups, there was an INTP uh, startup guy that I always interviewed that was like, had this whole startup all about roads. And it was like, um, when we have the future of self-driving cars, we're going to need to count on that there is like internet, uh, basically for it to work. And like also roads um cost a lot of money now and infrastructure is a huge problem so why don't we design the roads so that they make money for the cities rather than the cities having to pay for the roads and let the roads uh support the self-driving cars and it was like a whole idea for the roads to actually be making money for the cities and this poor guy i mean not he's so smart and it's such a great idea but how are you going to do that how are you like so he's had like these certain um uh, pilot programs where he would get like one mile and he would get to do it and then basically prove that it works and he's had certain cities like allow him to do that but is it going to happen in his lifetime I don't know and that, that's like another thing that came to mind it's like it would be great if we could do that but the yeah it is almost like challenging the SE of right now I don't know. It seems like we we both um, with sensing blind spots or not, yeah, blind spots, trickster, push the limits of what's possible with our auxiliary intuition. That's correct. And um, I mean, we talked about it briefly, how, like how Elon Musk is actually pushing against the boundary of extroverted sensing. And a lot of ENJs also push on the boundary of introverted sensing simply okay, by the nature really of our example. conscious functions. For example, Martin Luther King yeah. setting a new tradition of making sure that if we say all men are created equal, that all men actually be treated as equal. And for Elon Musk, you know, actually proving, hey, I'm going to use Tesla. And instead of going from hybrid to hydrogen cars or whatever that these companies want to do, we're going to go straight to electric cars and we're going to just develop from then on, you know? So there was a skipping of that extroverted sensing or introverted sensing that people wanted to do. I think it's more extroverted sensing. And... Um, and this is all based on the assumption that Elon Musk is more likely to be an INTP than any other types. I could be wrong if, you know, he turns out not to be an INTP. So that's something people should keep I in mind. I tend to think he is too, but a lot mm -hmm. of people are arguing that he's an INTJ. And, um, and then I also well, want to talk about the mm -hmm. other aspect. I don't want to cut you off. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just was going to say too, really quick, that it's like, if Elon Musk was an sp for example 
he might feel more inclined to do what you could do now and really engage with the actual with car company like se is going to want to engage with what's possible now where it seems like in order for um, Elon Musk to create something like Tesla, he had to kind of ignore or like not even really be paying attention to the landscape of what's happening now in order to get into the NE of what could be and then create it. And Martin Luther King had to ignore some of the traditions in order to come up with a captivating enough new path that, you know, would ignore that so it seems like how how would you say the role of us kind of ignoring <clears throat> or thinking of the trickster as a blind spot how do you how much do you think that plays a role if you don't know what the standards are you naturally create standards yourself and if it's good enough other people will see it and they'll like it mm -hmm. so there's also this aspect unless you had something else you wanted to bring up there's also this aspect of the trickster because Carl Jung talks about so Carl Jung talks about the trickster as an archetype and then Jungian analyst John Beebe came along and basically connected this uh, seventh function with the trickster so what Carl Jung had to say about the trickster right here is although he's not really evil the trickster does the most atrocious things from sheer unconsciousness and unrelatedness there's malicious pranks his powers as a shapeshifter, his dual nature, half animal, half divine. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. It's hard, and it's hard for me to even come up with examples uh, in myself because I think that when the trickster does come out from certain people or from, from people that we aren't really aware uh, that we're acting half animal, <laughs> when we're doing it because we're not a we're not really aware of it when we're doing it so um so technically you know if i'm arguing with somebody and they seem to hurt me right it, it's, if my ego feels threatened suddenly i seem to catch all kinds of details that i didn't see before <laughs> uh, okay so like so you're arguing this but look at what you're saying here like this is what you're saying so you know what are you really saying you don't know what you're talking about and that has happened. Is SE coming up? Or yeah, it only happens when I'm like feeling like, oh my God, am I actually losing? Kind of a situation. But mm -hmm. I want to bring up the archetype mm -hmm. as, you know, Christopher Nolan did these Batman movies and they're really amazing from archetype perspective because I think he's an INTJ or something. Mm -hmm. Like, God, um, the second movie with Joker. I haven't watched. We, we can but... see. Did you watch it? No, I haven't then I can't spoil it. Uh, it's okay, I'm not gonna watch it. I, I, oh. bet, I bet it would be helpful for people listening. Yeah, so, you know, Heath Ledger plays the Joker, rest in peace, that guy. Um, and what you see throughout the movie is somebody who says he has no plan, but carries out these plans that really couldn't be done without having plans. He constantly lies about his origin story. Like, you know, th this was a, a meme at the time. It's like, how do you think, or, you know, you know, like, let's put a smile on that face. And how do you think I got these scars? Or let me tell you how I got these scars because, you know, my mom did this or my dad did this or my friends did this. It was a lie constantly. Mm -hmm. But what it did, what it really did is that the Joker showed us the holes in Batman's ego, the, the dominant function. So Batman in the second movie is sort of like becoming the accepted vigilante of Gotham City. Police is supposed to 
the police is supposed to catch him, but they're really working with him because he's doing the job really well. Batman, through the way that he has presented himself and protected the city, is gaining credentials for being a good vigilante. But we also see the dark side of that. The criminals are carrying heavier equipments, which was something that Gordon did work, Commissioner Gordon was about in the first movie. Uh, there are more people wearing bat masks, but also like in hockey pants, because like, there's also seen in that, trying to be Batman. Because if somebody is successful, successful at something, we get copycats, mm. right? And that's happening in the same time that the Batman is running wild, destroying criminals. And the Joker comes in and he kills, first of all, that hockey pants bat as, as a threat. He takes over the underworld that's scared of Batman. And he's like, well, you know what guys, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna show you what the bat is gonna do to all of you. And he actually absolutely proves the point. And so now the underworld criminals have nothing to do, like no choice but to agree with him and side with him and support him. Uh, some, and those do, that do not are killed. And the mm -hmm. Joker, by wreaking havoc in Gotham, shows all kinds of things that Batman is causing. And, he, and the most important thing is that he actually causes Batman to question his own identity. He's like, you think you're so good. You think the police trust you now, but they don't trust you. You're like me. You, you could turn bad at any moment and they'll just destroy you. And you know, the thing is, the trickster that that archetype, the Joker embodies, absolutely challenges the dominant function because mm. we take all of us, every single one of us, take our dominant function very seriously. Yeah. FD is very important for you. Mm -hmm. TI is very important for me. Extra sensing is very important to, important to my previous supervisor. Otherwise, he wouldn't pick out all these details because it wouldn't be important, right? Yeah. But then here I am, this INTP, clueless INTP, looking at the work and I'm like, okay, well, um, I can see this going this way or I can see it going that way. And I'll like email him. So I see like these facts, according to these facts, like it's this way or it's, according to these yeah. facts, it's this way. Which one do you wanna go? And he'll be like, okay, well, um, I think based on what you told me, we should go with option A. And I'm like, okay, I'll prepare something for you and option A and I'll do it and I'll send it all on its way. And I'm, I'm pretty sure like, I didn't mean to mess him up, but it's very highly likely that simply the way I was being was very stressful for him because it's the thing that he's taking very seriously. And it's something that obviously to him, I'm not serious about, you know? Yeah. And yet, and yet, it's not like I'm completely wrong because I yeah. could get that to work. So I um, worked at a bookstore in college and I had an ISTJ boss mm -hmm. and I was fired for doing things that I was never told were against the rules. And it really bothered me in the sense that he, he kind of came back and said, oh, well, you never put the um, stapler back where it goes. And I'm like, every time I go in here, the stapler is somewhere different. And he's like, no, -uh, it always goes here. And I'm like, well, I've seen other coworkers put it other places. You'd never made it clear this was the stabler spot. Like I wasn't paying attention to those sort of things. And also um, I did everything that I was told for the job, but if there was nothing else to do and there were no customers in there, I would sometimes do homework. And that was something that he had a problem with. But I, I was like fired before I was told like, oh, you can't do that. And so- 
that was like another thing. But then like something that I really messed up on is like, um, um, I had to like put a bunch of emails into our email list system. And I uh, was looking uh, on, like I was um, typing them all up and apparently a lot of them went back as not a real um, email because I probably did some typos in there. So that was another problem that she had. So that was something where like, I, I think I almost expect or like want more like SE direct um, don't do that or do that. And like, I don't, I, I probably seem to an SI dominant person, very oblivious and blase about the way that they have things set up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, my, my uh, supervisor was like, I need you to spell out United States instead of just saying US. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then I would do it sometimes and not all the time because I would forget. Oh, see, if someone told me that directly, I would probably never forget. But if I wasn't told, then I probably would be inconsistent. And then initially, like, you know, because I was obviously using precedential, like his things that he already worked on that I had an example of. And I was like, oh, it's just US here. So I'm, I, it's okay to use it. But he's like, no, I need you to use United States. And so I'm like, okay. Um, oh. And then I forget about them. So then I'm like, okay, how do I? And, and he would tell me of several times, like, I need you to change this to United States. And I was like, okay, so how do I deal with this situation without getting into trouble? So then I removed it entirely. I was like, okay, well, just let me get rid of this because it seems to be a trouble spot for both of us. Let me just get rid of it. And, and then, so now, you know, and then, the, then we didn't have any problem. So I was like, okay, so whatever reason, and like me using US really struck, like triggers him for some reason. So I'll just get rid of it. And I did. And then, and then from then on, I had no problem. So, but that mm -hmm. might've been upsetting for him, which I don't know, he never said, but it might've been mildly annoying for him because like, okay, I told her to do this. Instead, she just gets rid of it. All right, whatever, you know? Yeah, wait, that's kind of a good example of you potentially just um, uh, acting like the, the trickster and doing what he wants, but not like what he says and like finding a loop, loop around. Yeah, I was like, well, if this is the problem and this isn't technically that important, I'm just going to get rid of it. And I think that really triggered him because like, it's important. I'm like, what, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go up to me. Like, well, these things you said US and these things you said United States, pick an option. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, I don't have time. I'm like, okay, I'll just get rid of it. And it's fine. And it's been fine. But then, you know, eventually, slowly with time, I will start adding it into it when I have the time. Because right now I don't have the time, you know? Interesting. Um, but I did want to talk about, because we talked about the in intuitives doing this with sensing. I really want to talk about sensors yeah. and being a trickster in the extroverted intuition or introverted yeah. intuition. Yeah, that's um, a good point. There's this uh, celebrity in Korea. His name is Yu Chesok, and he's like the most popular TV host in the country. And he's been like on the top, like for 14, 15, like nearly 20 years consistently. And that's very hard to do in a very competitive country like Korea. Uh, and he's a, he's an ISFP. Uh, he also, he tested as one, but I could see the introverted feeling because if you look back to 20s, he's like, he's explaining in this video, like, you know, I expect my situation to be much better than I am now. All my friends are like way ahead of me. Why am I still held like in the back? And like, mm -hmm. and this video is, is something, it's a cringe video, but it actually really explains this, uh, the, the issue with the dominant FI and the inferior TE. And, um, <clears throat> 
it turns out that he had this gift for being like the main host and a group of hosts and then sort of managing the dynamic within that group. And he is always very good at noticing like something that somebody said, but others miss. And he will be like, oh, you said this. And then he'll put a little twist on it and make it funny. And so everybody's laughing. And so he gets, this guy gets the, you know, time in his spotlight. And, you know, he gets to the credit of, you know, being a very open minded and very caring host. And he is a very caring person naturally. Um, and so throughout different shows, he shows different aspects. And then there's this one show called Infinite Challenge. I remember seeing it back in 2006 when they were just starting off. I really loved it. I would watch it all the time because like it was so fascinating to me. And um, I, at the time I was staying with my aunt and she was like, why do you find that funny? You watch it all the time. And I'm like, it's hilarious. It's amazing. I don't know why you don't, you don't get it. It's, it's so funny. It actually, in a couple of years, like in 2008, nine-ish, it did become like they got all the major awards. They sweeped it, that show. It got to that level because so many people liked it. But being me, being an any user, of course, I'm going to be there first. I'm like, I'm going to see the potential and I'm going to enjoy it, right? Yeah. Before anybody else gets to do it. Anyway, mm -hmm. the format of this show is that they will try anything, right? It's a very extroverted sensing auxiliary there. We're going to try being, being uh, a coffee machine, like a vending machine instead of the vending machine because we want to preserve energy. So we're going to, you know, make the coffee in our, ourselves in a, a coffee vending machine and we're going to give you the coffee and made a joke out of that. We're gonna retake the college exam or high school, you know, separate uh, graduation slash college entrance exam. And we're gonna see what the scores are. You know, we're gonna go visit an unmanned, what is it? Uh, an island, a, a remote island in Philippines where nobody, it's an uninhabited island. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna spend a day there and they make a fun you know, show out of that. What happens is through all these experiences, all the constant doing that this show did, it actually ended up sprouting all kinds of new shows in Korea that are currently in, uh, mm. in the format that it is. For example, met, like having many people as hosts instead of a host and guests. That's, that's a development that happened. Um, there's a whole show about going to like these really remote parts of the world and spending time there and trying to like make a living out of it. There's a show there. There are like, you know, traveling shows are these like, well, what if we were married? And then there's that show, all kinds of shows that kind of sprout off of what these folks did in Infinite Challenge. Mm -hmm. So by the ISFPs basically engaging in the auxiliary extrovert sensing because they're not aware of what's possible, they actually created more possibilities oh. simply due, through the action that others could then take and make it into their own. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But like, I guess, so they, they aren't, they aren't, they weren't able to, I guess, sit and brainstorm a bunch of show. Like, I guess I, I really see the trickster. I, I can see in people the way that they are really just blind to it, but I don't, I think I, I'm not used to really seeing what you're describing as like this sort of effect that they end up having because that's right. really interesting and, and it's it's hard it, the only reason you know the only reason I would even have recognized it is because you know I've followed this celebrity for a very long time and so you know and you get to hear about you know his life story you get to hear about what he's dealing with currently like for example he actually limits the amount of 
opportunities that he could have so, so that he could do well in the few shows that he is in charge of, for example. So his, his choice by doing that as, as a censor, he's actually kind of cutting off extroverted intuitions. Like I could do all of these shows, but he's like, no, 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 no. I need to focus on the shows that I am absolutely in charge of. I mean, I need to make sure I'm in top shape for those shows. And I need to make sure that those shows needs are taken care of. And that's what he does with the family. You know, he's like, he's like, I, he sleeps with his son. I don't know if he still does that because the son might be older, but because at the time, because the son couldn't sleep by himself because he was really scared of the dark or something. So he would sleep with his son every night and take care of him. Like these like inferior TE things that people wouldn't normally hear about, but because he's a celebrity, we get to hear about it. So in a normal everyday basis, we wouldn't know how our behavior affects becomes a trickster but it doesn't have an effect it does have an effect simply because of the way we are would you say that most people are unaware of the way in which their own trickster has an effect on their life yeah i definitely didn't know it and i wouldn't you can see it, it from other you you can maybe see other people's trickster like especially for me like okay especially if it's your dominant i notice the emotional impact that ITJs have on people, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and ITJs, they, I, I've, I've noticed their FE trickster can um, create a great space for a new sort of conversation and community to happen, or they can accidentally create something that shuts down communication and makes people feel unsafe to say, to share. So for example, an INTJ might come up with their own system for something and get a bunch of followers on it and accidentally create a space in which in the FE, people are afraid to question what they uh, said. And they just like all follow like this same logic. And there's, uh, it's not a psychologically safe space to disagree or something. I, I've seen that occur where they don't know that that's what they're doing in the FE. Right. We don't know what we're doing in the, in the trickster. Yeah. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you, it's the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me, it was kind of a something I've been realizing a lot over the past year. Like self-love has been a long journey for me, but I I've realized that I've gotten pretty far when it comes to self-love and self-trust, but that self-care is completely different. Like, like people talk about self-care a lot. I, I realized like within the last six months or so, I, like a new level of how much I don't do self-care because mm-hmm. just because I can live my life confidently and beat myself up less doesn't mean that I'm actually doing the self-care of giving myself the actual time to like kick my feet back or like um, even just uh, anything just nice for myself, like a bubble bath or something. Like I don't like do little nice things for myself ever really, but like, but like I love myself. I enjoy being with myself and that's like probably more for me, more of like FI shadow coming up. But uh, the SI stuff, going the extra mile just for a little slight difference is how it could seem to me. It seems like maybe not worth it. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. Um, for me, then, the trickster that I see in ENFJs, usually ENFPs, I mean, not, sorry, not ENFPs, sorry. Uh, usually folks that I talk to who have trickster TI are ENFPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I look at them and I look at how they're playing with thinking. And what's really funny is that for the trickster to really be effective, uh, because it is double binding, by the way, and that means that, you know, uh, I got, there's so many things I want to talk about, we just don't have time for, but the ENFP will tell me these things and he'll say, you know, this is how I calculated it. And, um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, even type is not really empirically proven, is it? And I'm just like, well, no, it, it's it's not. But if it didn't work and if it wasn't true, then we wouldn't be seeing these differences. But to him, because he has extroverted thinking, he's like, yeah, but this could be all not true. And I'm just like, oh, so, you know, I'm like, he's not entirely wrong. You know, <laughs> he's like, and I'm like, that's, I, I it's not, up. it does trip me out because I'm like, to me it's it's obvious it's true because it's obviously working like I've seen yeah. it work in my life it's been beneficial it's helped me see a lot of blind spots that I wasn't aware of but now this ENFP comes in it's like you know but this could be this or this could be that and it could anything could be like that and I'm just like um there's a system <laughs> there's a system in which do this you, you can't just do that you know mm. the little baby each part of me I don't actually act like that when I'm talking with him I'm just like yeah I mean you're it's not entirely wrong and I'll explain like my reasoning, but uh, the little part of me, the, the, the doubtful part of me, right. That's always wondering, is this even real? That part comes in. It's like, yeah, you're, you know, he's right. You know, he's yeah. right. None of this could actually be real. You just might be, you know, binding yourself in a spider web of your thoughts, thinking you're perceiving reality that way when it really isn't. And so, you know, you, you fall into that kind of hole of what if, you know, everything that I know is wrong. That makes me think like, so the person who has our dominant as a trickster definitely is capable of tripping us up, but then we're also capable of tripping them up. How do you see that as a difference? It doesn't really work that way though. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that. Because for example, maybe it's not that it trips, but for, if I'm interacting with SI dominant people, I can be kind of annoyed or like if they're expecting SI from me, I can feel like tripped up if I'm unable to do it. Or, and like I've talked to ENFPs or um, EFPs that can feel like when they're interacting with TI dominance that um, their like insecurity around their intellect can kind of come up. So would you say that it's more of like, the one with the trickster is tripping us up. Uh, if, if, yeah, like the trickster function is tripping up the person with the dominant. But what do you think that the interaction is the way, the other way around then? It's a paradox, isn't it? Because, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, the thing is the way we are trips them up, the dominant person. person. So ESPs are absolutely tripped up by the way I am. But in mm-hmm. reality, I am also being tripped up by my lack of ability in that area. Yeah. The things that I do is because I am so bad at extroverted sensing or be, being aware of what that is, that's what's tripping me up. And then 
but so in my desperate attempt to deal with this problem, I'm like, okay, I'm going to use extroverted intuition and introverted sensing. I'm going to solve this. And I'm like, okay, here you go. Here, here's the result. Mm. And the extroverted sensor is like, what the hell? You know, that's what happens. It's interesting because I think that, so part of the reason why I guess I would say that if you're trying to do shadow work, you probably shouldn't go to the trickster first. It's probably one of the last things you do, go to is that like your auxiliary function and your tertiary can kind of work together to make shift something that will do and can kind of cover up for the trickster, I think. Like maybe it's not the same exact mechanism as the trickster doing its thing, but I think that to some extent um, it can do a similar job or like act as though it's that function or what do you, what do you think about that? Let's, let's think about how uh, the shadow can be changed in form. Either you can put different light on the subject that it is being reflected upon, or you can change the core self. So for example, if I gain weight, my shadow is gonna get fatter. <laughs> Simple, right? Cause I'm covering yeah. more spaces. So I'm naturally reflecting more light. So the shadow is <laughs> gonna reflect that. Or I can lose more weight and then the shadow will get thinner. The fact is we can't directly influence the shadow. It's not, that's not, otherwise they wouldn't use the term shadow is, is what I think. Um, if we could just directly affect upon it, then it, we wouldn't call it shadow. It would just be self-development, self-work, whatever. The fact is you have to develop your core functions, your dominant, yeah. be aware. Because when the trickster comes in, it's almost like, it's like, it's like God. I'm not saying it is God, but John Campbell, I think he said the trickster archetype is God, mm. especially from the Old Testament, because whenever the Jew, Jewish folks like think they got it right, God'd be like, oh, you think you got it? Here's a rock, you know, <laughs> boom, figure it out. And mm. that's sort of what the trickster does to us. Um, it's like, I think I have this perfect TI perspective. I was like, this is it. This is working. Oh my God, it's beautiful. It works so hard on, I work so hard on it. So many people helped me with it. I am so happy. And then like an ENFP or like an ESFP will like come in and be like, so, so the, you know that thing that you're like really love? Let me just say something that I know <laughs> that I'm working really hard to like make you feel happy, but it's gonna have the effect of destroying it. And they'll just say something and I'm like, oh my God. And it's, so it's a very humbling function. Yeah. But it is, a, a, it's a, it's, there's a, there's a physics law that I can't remember the name of, but it's like, if there's an action, there's a reaction, right? Mm -hmm. So the reaction, which is the shadow is simply the result that we get back from those who see our core self. Mm -hmm. And we, as long as we accept that and not get really offended by it, but see it as this is the part of your work that others see that you don't get to see and mm -hmm. accept that as that kind of feedback, it can actually help you be more loose and more playful with your dominant. And it also helps you to be more open to using your auxiliary and tertiary more fully and to be open to the inferior as a result and be okay with that being open. I like that. And also like, if you think about when you're talking about like the shadow, how you have to kind of affect your real or like your core conscious self to affect the shadow. I think that a, a big part of it is your dominant function kind of just gaining the awareness of the other players because then when they come up, it's like, how does your dominant react? You know, mm -hmm. so kind of like dealing, like having some grace there when other things come up can kind of change how it affects you. 
And I have a couple quotes here. We should probably wrap up here soon. But these, these quotes are from Mark Hunziker in the book Depth Typology about Beebe's model. But I want to talk about this. He says, the trickster is above all a catalyst for individuation. In this, the trickster is both the destroyer and the creator. It breaks down self-limiting structures, creating disorder in order to open up new options that lead to new order. And then another quote by him is he says, the shadow of the eternal child tertiary shares its childlike irresponsibility, but it manifests with the trickster's disdain and irreverence for convention and authority. So if we're thinking of it as kind of this man behind the corner or, or man behind the curtain that's like just tripping you up, but I think you said something about this earlier where it's essentially like it leads to this sort of chaos that then might even send you toward the inferior or like might, might make you seek the inferior in the way that it can be the gateway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but I absolutely hate extroverted sensing. All right. (laughs) I think my work is perfect when I do it and I submit it for review. And then, you know, my extroverted sensor supervisor be like, oh, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, this detail's wrong, this, this. You put one space instead of two space after that period. I'm like, how in the world did you even find that, right? Um, I hate extroverted sensing, but it's, so there is definitely that. I, I think I've always hated it. I've only recently accepted that I hate it. I can't imagine yeah. the kind of hatred that, it, that ESPs would have for TI. For TI, it's my, it's my baby. I love using TI for everything. But for EF, EFPs, they hate TI. Yeah. And, but, but at the same time, we hate it so much because we want to be really good at it. We actually want to be good at it. So we would yeah. do what we can using our core functions, usually our conscious functions, to sort of solve that problem. But that creates a chaos for somebody who uses it as a dominant, right? Yeah. As, as, as little as it is. So, you know, in the past six years or so, I became very comfortable with the idea that I'm an INTP, right? Because for everything that I saw, I was like, this could change my, my pattern. And it didn't, you know, I spent maybe yeah. two years just questioning INTP type. I'm like, okay, at this point, I really don't think, you know, yeah. I don't think I can be anything else. And then, you know, this ENFP comes in, yeah, this could all be, you know, maybe true, maybe not true. It's not like it's proven or anything. And then I'm like, and so... <laughs> doing that what it did is it created a minor chaos in my mind yes I'm an INTP but is that who I really am does this really explain who I am no it's just a system to explain a part of my psychic aspect that I seem to be operating on that nobody seems to really that nobody necessarily agrees with not not nobody but not everybody agrees with is it really true and he didn't mean to do this, by the way. That's not his purpose. Yeah. And just his the purpose way that is- they kind of doubt the TI or like are maybe not thinking about it the, the way you are makes kind of triggers doubt in you or just an offhanded comment probably with TE. They're just looking for ways to use th- this information. Yeah. And it's funny because I use it. So I use it really well. I, I don't say I want to use it well, but I do use it really much better than um, when I didn't know it to sort of navigate my world. So 
when he said that, not only did it create doubt, but when that, the thing is, you need doubt to actually break apart that model and yeah, open yeah. you up to, okay, if this isn't it, what else, right? Yes. What else is there? Because if you can't, if something is perfect, you never want to let go of it. It's only when you see its imperfections that you let go of your hold on your dominant. You're like, okay, this is not as cool as I thought it was. Yes. I need to keep going. This is making me really see how it kind of shatters the illusion of the ego thinking that your dominant is the best thing ever, yes. you know, and that's what allows you to open yourself up. And so Linda Behrens talks a lot about how, when you're talking about personality types, that it's a living system and that living systems are self-organizing and, and then that the fact that our psyche is self-organizing also aligns with how Carl Jung talks about how the individuation process just happens on its own, whether or not you're trying to. And I'm now kind of thinking about this trickster as sort of being this part of us that is, I mean, it's breaking the flow. It, it, it's um, the part of us that breaks things apart so that we even want to put things back together again. Like e if you think of each of the eight functions in our pattern as playing a specific role of this journey that our hero goes through in, in life, it's, I think it could be hard for us to regard the trickster as important, especially as you said, you hate SE. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to even admit I hate SI because I don't want to make anyone feel bad. But the reality is that I've always had a really, really hard time with it. Even like my mom as an ESFJ, I've seen how whenever I was a kid, um, we were always on the same page. The more I developed my NI, the more it was hard to connect with her. And that's really difficult. Because whenever I'm a kid and I don't really have, I'm not really leaning on my NI and I'm just pure FE, I felt like we were the exact same person. And so it's like, for me, SI really has caused a lot of me feeling misunderstood. It's just hard for me to, like, when people are really close, when people are really into their SI, I feel like it's hard for me to break through their barriers and connect with them. It makes me feel like my FE can't even get through to them at the level of closeness that I want because my NI is trying to do that. But anyway, I think it could be hard for us to value or understand the purpose of a part of our psyche that is essentially just fucking up everything. <laughs> I messing have you played Finding Waldo? I hate that book. Oh yeah, I bet that's a really SE thing. I kind of they like all this. look the same. They all look the same. <laughs> I used to hate Waldo. Like I remember, you know, when I was in elementary, I saw this book. I was like, "What is it? Find Waldo." And I like, they're all Waldo. Some have long hair, so some are girl Waldo. They're all some Waldo. Are boy Waldo. So like, I'm like, who enjoys this? SC users. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of fun. What about I Spy? Did you like that? Nope. I like that. Yeah, I didn't get to see a point of it. I never took part in it. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, I hated those things because I can't tell the difference. I hate those kinds of things a lot. But, you know, you grow up and you slowly, because other people are like, 
Well, if you don't see a difference, I can't even trust your like opinion because you don't even tell you don't even know what the differences are. And I'm like, okay, what I'll about, find it. What about those games? I think where it's like they show you two rooms and it's like, what's different in this picture? Are you better at that? You know what no. I mean? Because I think I wonder if that would be more SI if they were showing you two and you said what was different. Because I think I would prefer like looking for Waldo than I would oh. notice oh, the yeah. difference. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Right. Actually, I, I, you know what? Like having two different pictures and then you find out what's different. I can do those. Yeah, those were really hard for me. Oh, I like those way better than Waldo. I, I would yeah. go out seeking for those things. Like which one's different? Oh, that's different. That guy's not have a different tie on. That uh. I can do, but like find Waldo. They're all Waldo. <laughs> Here, I found him. Oh, there's Waldo there too. I think they're all Waldo. That's so funny. That's like the best like trickster SE sort of phrase. Do you remember there was a point where all the men had beards, everybody had beards and the specific hairstyle. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. They all look the same to me. And so at the time I was kind of walking around. I was like, what if the universe is doing like a major RAM upgrade and it needs to like, deal with resource problems so they made all the men look the same with the beards and that's why they all look the same right now I just had it for for fun I did that and I walked around like yeah you know oh universe God. is having a ram upgrade They're like what are you talking about I'm like all the men look the same <laughs> and that's that's NE for you <laughs> it was just fun because people would look at me like no it's that's what's in right now and I'm like no it's a ram upgrade oh my goodness yeah and then <laughs> SE is really aware of all those trends I, right. I think as well well anyway yeah. that I feel like that where's Waldo is a good place to end it is there anything <laughs> else that you wanted to bring up about the tricks or there's so much we could say but there's so much we could say but time is a, a thing that says we should stop so yeah yeah well, thank you so much for, for joining me. And hopefully for those of you listening, this gave you a new appreciation for how broken your psyche just is. Because, hey, it's by design. We're just designed to trip ourselves so that we learn and grow. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your day. We may be walking the path of individuation independently, but that doesn't mean that you're alone. While your journey is unique, we're all going through the same process along our own parallel paths. If you're craving deeper conversation about how your personality type pattern is unfolding, join us for monthly type discussions. The Psyche Design Membership Group comes with access to a private Facebook group, one facilitated Zoom hangout per month with breakout activities, and a monthly Q&A. For more information, check out the link to my Patreon in the description.